Dan's Driving Double Feature presents Howling 2 and 7-2, episode 47, a minute-by-minute-ish podcast, really not anymore for these last few episodes. I'm your host, Dan. How you been? We've been doing this podcast a while because we've been doing it in tandem with two other podcasts, as you may or may not know. And if you're hearing the other two, episode 47 of the other two podcasts, you're hearing more or less the same schlemiel spiel. Sorry, not schlemiel. Well, I'm a schlemiel. Here's my spiel. Um, I've decided to speed everything up. So 70s Friends of Frankenstein, Spooky Minutes Spent in the Ghost House, and Howling 2 and 72 are now going from, we were originally 1, they were 5, now we're 10 minutes. So this episode is covering minutes 71 through 80 of Howling 2 and 72. And I know what you're thinking, because it's right. That means the next episode will end the movies. Uh, Howling 2 is a little under 90 minutes, and Howling New Moon Rising is like 90 minutes and change. So we're just going to fit those closing credits into uh, the episode. So this is now the penultimate episode of Howling 2 and 7-2. So we're actually, like, a lot of things will happen, especially kind of in Howling 7. Not not as much happens as Howling 2 as I thought might happen. But let's um uh, take a little break right now. I'll sit quietly for a few minutes, maybe humming to myself. I got a little tea. I'll give you 5-10 seconds, and uh, we'll talk about the next 10 minutes of Howling 2, 71 through 80. Here you go. Oh, that's hot. Ooh, peach. Mm, that's a little hot. So, did you enjoy the ten minutes? Uh, now, I did. I, I think I have mentioned somewhere along the way that I own the the, the Blu-ray of Howling Two. Your sister's aware of, and I bought like a year ago or six months ago. I got a, I got a four K player, and um. Uh, something went wrong with it and my Howling 2 disc is trapped inside it so um, I don't have a 4K setup so I'm not too rush at the moment but my Howling 2 disc is, is still trapped inside it's not like a VHS tape or a, or a cassette or something right where you can kind of like lift off the top and kind of gingerly lift the tape and take it out of there and no, I know with the digital thing I don't know what's happening I, I fear I'm just I'm gonna have to lose the disc and um to be honest, one of the things I've found is that when I'm done doing these podcasts, I tend to not go back to the films. I don't think I've watched Night to Dismember since um, I uh, I did the Minute to Dismember. Last Slumber, some of them I have watched again, but not as regularly as I used to. Because you go in so in-depth, so in detail into them that you kind of lose it a bit on them. So, so Howling 2, I'm actually watching an archive.org print of it is a uh, widescreen so it is the proper aspect ratio and it is uncut it's got all the gore this this 10 minutes is loaded with with some fun gore um even if some of the gore is i mean some of the right goriest but some of the the fakest since like a hersher gordon lewis movie right um that's right, so on this 10 minutes the gang what is it ben and and red brown i'll probably call them either brent ben or red brown and stefan and three other guys including the one priest are heading towards sturba's castle uh, they're about to be attacked by werewolves and jenny ben's gal is like she she's strung up her arms in the air um bare arms she's covered in blood her her her, her neck her clavicle her her arms her face everything covered in blood and they're gonna do something or other to her but in these 10 minutes 
the gang gets attacked by a whole slew of werewolves. Lots of gore, lots of shooting, lots of stuff. Two, they lose two of the people. The three of them head inside. The uh, the priest, uh, Stefan and Ben? No, I've forgotten. Is it Bob, Ben, Red Brown? Head inside the, the place and split up. And the priest is runs right into Sturba. I mean, he like walks right in there when Sturba's standing there with that, that one guy. Um... You know, that one guy with the accent who's been in the whole movie so far. And she sicks her a little demon thing on the priest, kills the priest. Red Brown kills the that one guy. I believe he kills that one guy and then kills the is it Mariana? The the one from the one from LA, the gal from LA who killed the people in the warehouse, kills her and goes to free Jenny and the ten minutes end with Sturba and Stefan about to meet up. Uh, so we have less than we have ten minutes left after that moment. So it's, presumably things are going to end soon. But what did I think of the ten minutes? Well, um, I, I do I do think that there, there's a scene where um, I guess the uh, the the accent guy um, werewolf is is changing to werewolf. He's getting really excited and changing into werewolf. And and the other the gal tells him to calm down. Tells and I thought surely this is the time for him to kind of go a little crazy, become a werewolf, right? And there are a couple shots where they. Um, he's changing, and you see that shot of like a chest with like hair coming out of it, and then the jaw expanding and stuff, and and claws coming out. And for a few minutes, you think, oh, they're going to do it. They're going to do uh, the proper transformation, but they don't. Nor should they really at this moment. We're 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 near the end of the film, and we need to be speeding up. This isn't like Howling the Original Nightmare, uh, where they that like the centerpiece is the big the big thing. At this point, we're supposed to be going crazy. Things are going crazy. There was just a huge werewolf attack outside. I mean, whatever the all the bullets and all the holy water and everything they. Got, God really worked well. Like I said, there were five of them. They probably got attacked by 20 werewolves and they killed all the werewolves and lost two people. And uh, it's a, I mean, it's a pretty good scene. Lots, lots of quick cuts. Uh, uh, occasional moments are a little too dark. Now, as I said, I didn't watch it on the blue, so I'm I'm imagining the Blu-ray looks clearer. But there were uh, just a few moments where I was like, "Ooh, that's a little." And I was moving around trying to stop any glare or anything. And I was like, "Darn you, 4K player!" I'm sorry, everyone. If um, uh, that I that I can't give you the full on right there. Just hey, things happen. Things happen, and um, crazy, right? It's been so long that I, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. Sorry. So um, I mean, it's a fun attack. It's it's pretty decently shot. There's a lot of shooting. There's a lot of great red brown. Ah, ah, Stefan, ah, kind of things. Father, whatever your name is. He does the great shrieks and screams, and he's. I don't know who taught him that, but it's just great. I mean, I always imagine it's like um, uh. It's and I think I said this before a long, long time ago. I'll say it one more time here because we haven't heard him do this in so long. But it reminds me of what is it? It's a mix of there's a there's a Mr. Show sketch where they they welcome their uh, Bob and David welcome their acting teacher on, and he's a guy who just basically he just like being up on stage you just yell and it's just like 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 any of the plays he directs it's just people yelling like this and I'm doing like this and this is what I'm doing I'm an actor, and then the other thing is Pam Duve from the League of Gentlemen with her um uh schools be anybody wants budge beef or, or whatever it is she says um in the orange juice commercial i'll let you look that up to see what it is but i always i really think like red brown when he was taught acting someone taught him to do that and people just loved thought it was so crazy no one told him to stop so I would say you're the maybe and you're the hunter from the future. Someone told him to do that. I don't know. I just I just saw Ro- Robo War again recently, and he I think I mentioned that last time, and he um he lets off some good screams. That but it's funny to hear the, him do the screams. Uh, 
here and do the screams here because uh, in, in the other movies, those are straight-up action movies. And when he's a barbarian-type character or a commando, you expect him to let out the occasional scream like that. But like in Space Mutiny, when he does it, it's, it looks odd. And in Hero, here when he does it, it seems... I mean, it really just seems like it's what he does to sort of let off the steam or just like, ah, as he's fighting. Um, and the fact that we really haven't really seen anyone else ever really do that doesn't make it weird. It just makes it very individual. That's his thing. That's the Reb Brown thing. You know, Michael Dudikoff, his voice is a little higher than you'd expect it to be. Reb Brown, he shrieks and screams whenever all the... And, um, and the scene is okay. There's a lot of gore, axes hitting wolves, wolves getting shots, blood spraying, people getting hit with the claws and things like that, and lots of craziness. It's okay. It intercuts with uh, Sturba and those other two werewolves and Jenny in the, and in the in the castle. They're going to do something to Jenny. Who knows what it is, but she does not look well. She actually looks like she's in the last stages of like a French torture porn film, like a Martyrs or, or a High Tension or, or Frontiers or something like that. She, or Inside. <laughs> she, she does not look... She does not look well. I don't think she's as... I don't think she's as bad off as um I it looks I I don't think all that that's her blood um but but she does look in a uh, that's actually kind of the roughest part of this moment is seeing Jenny because she looks so bad when she's hanging there it's I mean that's association the images uh, associated that I associate with that are obviously movies that were made 20 years later 30 years later um but still but still that you know that's a rough that's some rough moments in there and um again i I like the fact that the one werewolf is still calm down to the other werewolf and it's like no this is the time not to calm down and i don't even remember what what it is the werewolves are meant to be doing there's something big that's about to happen right but i get the feeling that now it looks like all the werewolves are dead now except for sturba um uh which is really they uh you know and and it's it's funny like in this 10 minutes, there's probably like more gore and violence than there has been in the whole film, as you would hope as the movie went near the end. But at, but at the same time, you don't want to save everything for the end. You know what I mean? You don't want, like, if I go in to see an action film, I don't want all the action to be in the last... I always, I'm going to use my Firefox example again. Firefox was sold to me as a kid as Clint Eastwood rides around in a super high-powered jet going through, like, the Grand Canyon, getting chased by and having, like, Star Wars-style fights. You know, and that's like the last 10 minutes of the movie. And the movie's like two hours and 15 minutes long. I'm sure if I watch it now, I might enjoy it. Um, but I like Clint Eastwood less and less as I get older, except for the spaghetti westerns. Um, so I might not enjoy it. But that's sort of the, the thing here. When you're seeing all the gore in this, when he attacks Mariana there and kills her, uh, when the priest is killed, that that's really good. That's Fulci. That's Fulci mixed with Lewis. So, you know, because Fulci always has those bits where everything looks real and then he just gives up on it at a point like cut to a dummy having like you know something crazy happen to them spitting up the guts and everything and that's kind of what happens here the demon attacks the and rips at the face of the priest and it's completely fake looking um but you're in it like in, in the gore gore girls or, or 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 especially like wizard of gore you're in it more for the um just the the viciousness of it and like it's just kind of the priest just kind of sitting there and just like like um the guts kind of just like coming out of his mouth or whatever it is that's coming out of his mouth again my copy was a little dark but it was it was it's pretty gross and it's um i mean i th- i think maybe the way they got away with it was obviously it doesn't look it it looks gory it doesn't look i mean it's it's um how, how would you describe it i mean that's one of the things like what when i like first saw the wizard of gore I wish I could remember which H.G. Lewis film I saw first. I, I want to say it was The Wizard of Gore, but I also think it was Blood Feast. 
Um, but I just remember sitting, I think it was Wizard of Gore, sitting there watching it and just thinking, my, this is so gory, this is so gross, and yet it's so fake. It's obviously fake. And, you know, Gore Gore Girls even more so. Um, that was one of the things with, like, Blood Feast that made Blood Feast a bit more um, visceral, is that, like, when he pulls the tongue out or when he chops off the brains of the girl on the beach, you know, there's there's a bit more to it than just suddenly cutting to a dummy that they filled with blood and they rip apart not that that doesn't have its charms but that's really what the priest scene is there the you know the, the dummy of the priest is moving around the claws are ripping at it and tearing it up and it's ripping tongues out and it's, it's fun i mean it's it's you know what do we want in this movie we wanted some scares we wanted some werewolf action some gore some this this or that we, we haven't really had it we've just had we've just had some weirdness now and then we've had the promise of gore and, and and werewolf stuff and things like that the same howling seven is doing the same thing to us but howling seven really has replaced it with this craziness involving the um the uh the the people in pioneer town and the people that clive turner's really truly you could tell really truly interested in you know it's always uh looking thinking of that it's always sort of tricky right when they um when when you get a movie where uh you know, it's like the big, the best action scene is at the end or the last 10 minutes or something like that. And all you could think is, gosh, well, I hope they've got enough interesting stuff going. I mean, for example, I rewatched, um, I got the uh, Blu-ray of Dragons Forever, uh, the third and final of the Yun-Biao, Sammo Hung, Jackie Chan films from the 80s. And uh, not the best of them. Project A, I think, is the best. And then Wheels on Meals and then probably... Um, uh, uh, then probably Dragons Forever. Dragons Forever is a bit... Um, I don't know. It's it's got some it's got some nice fight scenes in it. It's got a lot of fun fighting between the three of them, and the final scene in like the drug factory facility thing is fantastic. But at the same time, it it's not. Um, it really is the final scene uh, is is the best fight scene. You kind of wanna you you don't you want to try to make your final scene the, the best scene, but you also don't want uh, um, like Who Am I is a great Jackie Chan film for that. You know, the first that's like an hour and fifty minutes. The first fifty fifty minutes are kind of the setup for everything and little action bits here and there, but not much. But then about fifty minutes into more or less the end, it's action scene after action scene after action scene. And you know what? They get better as they go, and that the fight on top of the skyscraper is fantastic, and then the, followed by the stunt going down the side, and and then you get a little bit of that extra thing where they're chasing the bad guys through the streets, you know, just a little a little extra icing on the cake, sort of. And and, and the tricky thing with Howling Two is it's looking like it saved the best for last, but it also looks like the the best is maybe not good. Enough. It looks a little light on the best. It's just like if. I mean, I think that the the scene in the forest with the wolves was probably the big final battle. And the scene with Mariana is, is very quick, or I think that's her name, between Red Brown and, and the other werewolf lady and the, and the guy. Uh, they're rather quick. That happens rather quickly. Um, but it's, it, I mean, it's, it's visceral and it's exciting when it happens, but it happens rather quick. It all happens a bit too quickly for a, for a film that has kind of more action, almost. I don't know if it's because of Red Brown or not, but, but um, I mean, I think the thing is, one werewolf, you get a horror movie, um, 20, 30, 40 werewolves, I think it becomes an action movie. I was going to say it's like Alien, Aliens, right? Alien, you have one alien, that's a horror movie. Uh, you got 100 aliens, that's an action movie. 
and um, because you know obviously there's no way you know just like you know one or two or three random people are going to face off against a hundred werewolves one of them they might be able to fight and so so I, I'm I'm afraid that the next 10 minutes the last 10 minutes are not going to close off the film in too spectacular a fashion I don't actually remember how it ends I know there's a there's a final scene with with but Red Brown and Jenny in I gave it away, they're both alive in like, back at their hotel I think they might be back in the US I forget what is back in their hotel something happens I don't believe they don't die or anything if I remember correctly but something had like a scare or something like that but then there's credits too so all that has to fit in the last 10 minutes of the movie so here's hoping it goes okay but let us go now to Howling 7 and we left with um what do we leave with oh yeah yeah ted was being questioned in a warehouse by a cop and we went through all that before and the the cop is hearing something in the warehouse so let us go to a minute uh, 71 of howling new moon rising and let me just i'm gonna have a little cup a sip of this tea i think it's cooled down oh that's new moon rising tea delish if kind of jumbled and confusing oh there's dirt in it oh well I'm very glad I did this all in one chunk because this is one <laughs> one big, crazy, ten minutes of movie. Have you have you seen? I hope you've seen this. I hope you've stopped and watched this. So this is basically. So it starts off with that cop being killed by the werewolf, and we see the face of the werewolf, and we see the werewolf lunge forward real quick. It looks a bit like the. I was gonna say it looks like the Howling Five werewolf to me, but we see. I mean, we see its face for. A second two seconds and then we see it lunge for maybe two seconds so we we have now with 10 minutes left in the movie seen the werewolf for less than five seconds and um and there's a scene where it goes after marie from howling four and kills her that is kind of that is kind of weird there's a there's a scene where um we see the red tint on the uh, screen and it goes up to marie's house marie from part four and you see her in bed and who are you don't you and you hear a woman's voice here like don't you recognize my voice it's you and then you hear a scream and then later on you see her dead she's been thrown out of her window by the werewolf and killed so it's kind of weird i always find it weird like i guess sort of from like friday the 13th part two on just sort of that thing where uh, a character makes it through a horror movie and then <laughs> just appears out and i mean I had no idea Marie was going to appear in this movie when I first watched it. When she's in it, I was like, she looks familiar. Oh, she's in part four. And then she just gets killed unceremoniously. It's like, wow, she made it all the way through part four. You get killed near the very end of part seven. Oh, that's too bad. Um, but but uh, yeah, the, the cop gets killed by the werewolf. And Ted is trying to go back to his room, I guess, to pack up. And um, the cops catch him. And then things get confusing because... He's being questioned by the cop and the priest in his room, and Brock and that other guy, um, the guy with the mullet and the glasses who plays guitar, uh, whose name I don't remember, um, uh, are sort of guarding the door, and it's don't let Ted out, we're keeping him here until, you know, morning, you know, so he can't do anything, but then when they talk about it, they're talking about it like, tomorrow night he'll become the werewolf, and I thought, well... Why isn't he see the werewolf? Shouldn't he be the werewolf now? There was already a werewolf attack, and it's 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 weirdly done. I mean, because they're sort of acting like it's the daytime, and we got to keep him locked in here because tonight, tonight. But it's the middle of the night, 
and the werewolves already killed someone now they don't know that yet it's it's a little tough they're still a little vague on what exactly the um who that cop was or what he was because the uh, our cop our, our our inspector doesn't seem to really know who this cop is or really mention like what'd you do with the other cop no it just comes up randomly and he, he that werewolf killed that cop oh yeah the werewolf killed that cop and so so it's just weird because because the when it ends and it it's odd because then you get you get a moment where the um like the priest is like oh it's almost dusk and then they talk for the rest of the the time here and and you learn that it's so confusing it's i mean i i literally kind of want to but don't want to just go back and make a quick jaunt through the 10 minutes but i don't want to confuse you any more than i'm confused because it, it's not just that the story's confusing it, it, it at first it's the priest and everyone believes it's ted the inspector isn't sure. The inspector thinks the werewolf is playing them because he thinks Ted is dumb because Ted was brought there by Alpha Productions. And Alpha Productions is actually, it tur- turns out, run by Marie. Marie, um, who's being controlled by the werewolf. And she sent Ted there. And they sent the guy there who was blackmailing Ted and the guy who got killed by the werewolf earlier on. And um, she sent Ted there to... Why did she send... Oh, she sent Ted there because Ted was involved in Howling 5. And and so hopefully when sort of the werewolf thing came out, they'd think it was Ted and the priest and the inspector and everything would think it was Ted. I, I don't know why the werewolf... When it actually comes down to why is the werewolf doing this, I'm a little confused. But it's weird, sort of like there's... There's like... There's the werewolf and the werewolf has set Ted up and everything... But then you kind of realize the more you think about it, it's like, but set up for what? Is the werewolf planning on taking over the world? I mean, it's like, at least in Halloween 2, I think there's something that's about to happen that Stefan has to stop from happening. But but in this, the, the happening? Uh, happening. But in this, the more you think about it, the more it's like, so why? So the werewolf brought Ted down there for what reason? I mean, it's like to, to frame Ted, sure. But why? Why? I, I guess because the the inspector implies that it's not Ted, and I, I don't believe it's Ted. And since it's one of the townspeople, it's one of the frontier town people, and ain't Jaro who gets a, killed apparently, which is interesting. We'll talk about that in a moment. But he the, the inspector believes that the werewolf showed up um, and is now disguised as one of the townspeople and used the priest um, via Marie and used uh, Ted via Marie pretending to hire Ted to do this expose on these people again why I don't know I, d- I don't know if it's um she she he the werewolf just wanted to have well the, the voice you hear is a female voice when Marie gets attacked so I'll say she although the inspector says he but the inspector hasn't seen that scene like we did seen that scene but it's this weird it's it's really weird you have to watch it because first off like i said the timing of it makes no sense because you can't figure it out because uh, tomorrow night the werewolf will be out and everything no no he's out tonight it's a full moon tonight he killed someone tonight why why isn't why why you know it's it it's it's weird because you think i mean so when the full moon's out the werewolf changes right there, there's nothing in this that says when the full moon that that the werewolf can i mean i guess in how in the howling they can control howling too they can control themselves right Oh gosh, I I don't know. I mean, but but it's tricky because the the implication here is that um, you know, so Ted 
as the werewolf killed the cop and then they caught him and put him in the room but he wasn't the werewolf anymore he's but it's i mean but but like when they found the cop had been killed who was who was interrogating ted and killed by like the werewolf shouldn't they have thought like oh my gosh ted's not the werewolf because he would have been the werewolf right wouldn't he be the werewolf i mean or does the werewolf change in and out i don't I don't. I mean, I guess this is a really strong werewolf, right? So it might have the power to change in and out. I don't. I don't know. But that doesn't really make sense. That's not the really, really the way. Um, it's not like the Hulk. Like you know, the the person gets angry, they become a werewolf. They calm down, they become the person again. This is when the full moon's out. They're a werewolf. When the full moon is not out, they're a human. And this, the sort of implication here is that um, they're either not paying attention or they're they're not putting two and two together. They're they're not very smart. <laughs> I don't know, um, but it's it's really tricky watching it. And, and um, I mean, here's the, here's the thing. I could probably talk for another ten to fifteen minutes about how confusing this ten minutes is. And I mean, and I mean, we we get stuff like Ted is caught and they're interrogating him. Then it cuts to the next day at near dusk, as they're all kind of sitting there waiting to keep an eye on Ted so Ted can't get out, and the priest and the cop are talking and they have flashbacks to when they interviewed Ted the night before which is the scene we saw at the beginning so so, so basically what happens is they, they catch Ted and then they immediately cut to Ted asking him about the money he has in Alpha Productions but then later on when the priest and the cop are talking they show clips from like earlier in the interview when they're asking him to explain what alpha productions is and what they did they they're doing for him and stuff like that so it's it's really it's really weird to finally have a moment where you think there aren't going to be any more flashbacks but then they have a flashback and but but it's not it's not a proper flashback because it's not something we've seen from the interrogation scene but it's like they didn't show us the whole interrogation scene and then because the thing about it is like the the cop is coming up with reasons why Ted isn't the werewolf and some of those reasons have to do with the interrogation but not scenes we saw of the interrogation scenes that they show us right then of the interrogation which doesn't make any sense at all and it's so confusing and I'd love to know why I mean this is this this 10 minutes is a level of confusion in an already confusing movie that is amazing and there is there is one thing they do and I, then, I'll, then I'll stop yakking but there is one thing because we got the last 10 minutes we got the reveal of the werewolf and the ending coming up here there is one thing they do that I think I think works well and that's the um the concept that the um the the werewolf kills so I, I and the, even this is confusing so you see so you see so they're locking Ted in there and then all of a sudden you see Ted escaping and he's, he's knocked Jaro out and he's trying to run away but the cop catches him and they put him back but then when they put him back they discover that the werewolf has killed Jaro and now everyone thinks Ted's killed Jaro and they lock him up and they pretty much want to lynch Ted everyone from Pioneer Town who's been Ted's friend from the movie want to lynch Ted and there's a scene where they're all kind of sitting around like waiting for something to happen I thought they, they didn't do that all day did they that seems really boring um but but it's just so weird because like then so wait a minute Jaro's dead wait a minute Ted escaped when did Ted escape when did he what 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 so Ted escaped and it was during the day and then he got caught before he could leave the area there and Jaro somehow got killed and but what I don't it doesn't make any sense and again it, it feels like it feels like maybe they didn't shoot some footage 
it, it, it really does feel like maybe they, they either didn't shoot some footage or they shot some footage and it was damaged or something and they're really just scrambling to keep the film on a steady 90 minutes and just and they're I mean things are more or less explained as they should be the, the cop's explanation of how the werewolf used the priest and Ted and Marie you know pretty much works it's just the way it's done is so with the flashbacks and the oh, Ted uh, Ted escaped. And you're like, when did Ted escape? Is that that was this this morning or that was when was that? And when Jaro died, what? <laughs> what? That doesn't that makes no sense. You know, you you finally killed a sort of more or less kind of main character, and that happens in a f- confusing flashback. That's I mean, if you think about it too, what. There, there have been like what, like that, that guy who tried to blackmail Ted. That jerk who was picking on Ted, Marie, and now Jaro. Those, those are the people that have died in the movie, right? Oh, and the cop. So we've had five people die in the movie so far, and only one of them was in any way, shape, or form related to all the main characters. Everyone else were like side characters, and 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 like the cop says, the reason why, yeah. He, he, the werewolf killed one of the main, more or less, in quotes, main characters to get everyone involved. And, and so the ten minutes ends with uh, Ted. Apparently, I guess it's dusk, and that one guy with the um, who plays the guitar with his big mullet and the rifle is sitting out in the um, is sitting on a chair right outside Ted's door, and Ted's knocking on the door. Is anyone out there? Is anyone out there? And it ends. Ah. <sighs> So now we are going on with the next episode. We will do it would be episode forty-eight, and we are, oh, I said the um, wait a minute, don't move. I said it was, ha huh, the uh, okay no the so howling two is ninety minutes and change. I thought it was under ninety. Ninety minutes and change, and howling new moon rising is just a little under ninety minutes. So we'll be wrapping these up both in the next minutes, and both are sort of at the point where it's like. We've only had four or five seconds of actual werewolf, and we, we even get, as they're talking to Ted, we even get him explaining how he escaped at the end of Howling Five: The Rebirth. So I mean, we still get we still you know what is it about seventy seven minutes into the movie we're still getting shots from the previous movies, and I'm going to wrap this up by saying I. I hadn't checked the, the Howling New Moon Rising Wikipedia page for ages, but there is some information on there now. They must have interviewed Clive Turner about the making of the movie. And the thing is, what, I, what according to Wikipedia, Clive Turner's original plan, because I guess he somehow got control of the at After Six, his original plan was he wanted to tie together, as he has, you know, the movies from Original Nightmare, the ones that he was involved in from Original Nightmare, up. And apparently he'd been involved in Marsupials, also part three. But he wanted to, to like, four, he wanted... Uh, and apparently, according to Wikipedia, originally he wanted the film to consist of mostly scenes from the previous three or four films. Like, the previous, like, three films. Uh, but eventually, because of Pioneer Town, and he had an actual... There was going to be an actual director. He wasn't going to direct, and the they were going to use the people in Pioneer Town, which is a place that Clive Turner loved, and he wanted to sort of highlight the people. And the original director wanted to make it more a f- straight-out horror werewolf film. Uh, Clive Turner wanted to make a more character study about all these people with the werewolf in it. And he also wanted to tie together the other films. And I guess the original director and Clive Turner had arguments over what the werewolf should look like. And in the end, no one was happy with the werewolf. And eventually, the um, the uh, original director walked out and Clive Turner took over. And they say that Clive Turner, he threw away... 
and they said as per original nightmare and i couldn't find anything that said he did this on original nightmare because he was involved in that um they said he like when the original director left he had like three days and he like they say he threw away like 50 percent of the footage and and spent three days just shooting and shooting and shooting and and that's kind of what all the the in jokes and all the the line dancing and all that stuff is he just shot everything he could with these people over the course of three days and matched that in with the stuff that they'd already shot that was werewolf related and that's how they came up with the movie which is more or less a variation on how I probably thought he did it anyways but I'd love to hear more about it I'd love it's funny on the Wikipedia page they point out that um all the howlings made it to DVD and now the first are on Blu-ray. I want to say like 4, 5, and 6 came out in a cheapy triple feature Blu-ray, but it wasn't a special edition like the Silent Night, Deadly Night 3, 4, and 5. Um, but it's funny they point out that Howling New Moon Rising is the only one that... Howling New Moon Rising came out in what, like on, on home video in 95, two years before DVD. It came out on VHS and Laserdisc, as quite a few films did. But it hasn't come out on anything else since then. The 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 only way you can get Howling Newman Rising, of course, of course, you can. I think it's on like Tubi and stuff like that, random streaming stations. But on a home home video, there's no DVD, there's no Blu-ray. You either get it on VHS or Laserdisc, two completely defunct systems. Oh well. So so that is episode forty-seven, everyone. We just got ten minutes left. One episode left of Howling Two and Seven Two. I'm gonna play a little music, and I hope to. Uh, I hope you join me for the final run, the climax of both of these big crates. And the fun thing is, we're we're hitting the climax in the last episode, so we're not breaking the climax up over six or seven episodes. We're doing it all at once. So let's see how it goes. Listen to this. Mm-hmm.